0: Hey, uh, great to be with you. My name's Michael. I'm, I am one of the pastors and We're going to go into our time of teaching right now. If you're brand new, we are so glad you're here. Inside the program is a green and white message note sheet that we use every week. You'll definitely want to take that because we use it a lot. That'll help you follow along. And if you guys are all set and ready to go, I'm ready to jump in. You guys ready to go? Yeah. All right, let's pray. God, we're just excited to be here as we continue this journey to discover more your, your vision for our life, that we would be renewed, that we would become... Change, transformed, that we would be the people that were created to be, people created in your image to be like you, uh, which in turn then sets us free to build solid, strong, uh, life-giving relationships in our life, not only with you, but with one another. And so, God, we pray as we take this next step today, we talk about empathy. We pray that you just unfold your word, open our eyes, speak to our hearts, so your spirit would be here in power, and he would speak clearly. And we pray this in your name. Amen. It's a warm su- summer evening, and uh, he's in Sanibel Island, which is, uh, some of you know where Sanibel is, it's uh, off the Gulf Coast uh, of Florida, and uh, he is just so excited uh, to be here. Uh, this is a night he's never going to forget. Uh, he's finished up his freshman year of college, and to his surprise, one of his, uh, his mentors, he's uh, a tremendous leader in his life, that's just a few years older, but he, he's married uh, he's got a lot more experience. He's an amazing Christ follower. Uh, this mentor has accepted a position at his home church down in Sanibel, at a major large church there to lead the high school ministries. He's graduated from this, his college as well. And so he's invited this younger freshman to come down and serve as an intern that summer. And this young man could not be more excited. To him, this, this, this young couple walks on water. They're everything that a follower of Jesus should be. He can't believe it, that he's been chosen to be part of this, and so he flies across the country. He lands in Fort Myers. He'll never forget that feeling of being picked up there at the airport by this older Fred. And they drive to, uh, to Sanibel across that long, um, the long bridge, and uh, when they get there, it doesn't take him long to understand why Sanibel is a, a huge destination spot with its white, sandy beaches, And it's crystal blue blue kind of tropical waters and it's warm summer breezes. So the week starts off amazing, but a few days in, one night, it happens. (laughs) Something that is destined to both mark him and change his life forever. Well, today... We are continuing our series in, uh, that's called uh, Renew, um, The Character of Great Relationships. And if you're here for the first time, truly, I'm just so thankful, and I, I hope that God just meets you in a powerful way. But the very first week of the series, which was like three or four weeks ago, uh, we started off with these five basic foundational principles that are going to guide us all the way through the, the series. They're just so pivotal. We understand how relationships work, the relationship between character and relationships. And, and so uh, every week, I want to start by just a, a real quick review, uh, not just for those of you who are new, but really for all of us. Because my hope is that long after this series ends, that these principles will go deep in us. We'll take them with us into our future. And so there in your note sheet, there's a section that's called Renew the Character of Great Relationships. And I want to hit them again just real fast. We've already filled in the blanks like, like we always do for you at this opening. But uh, the first one I'll take a little bit longer on. I'm to set the stage so the next four I'll go real quick. But number one, what we've seen is that God's vision is renewal. That when a man or woman uh, comes to Jesus, that God's vision for our lives is so much bigger than we'd simply be forgiven and go to heaven when we die. That God's vision is to completely restore and renew us to be like our creator again, which in turn will give us the capacity to, to change, to grow, and to build the kind of relationships we were designed for. Uh, the number two, we saw that, crit, uh, that uh, character is critical. We saw that when it comes to great relationships, yes, communication matters. Yes, chemistry matters. But something more important than either one is character, who we are. In fact, in our, our key passage for this whole series is Colossians 3. That first week, we did a deep dive in that. And Paul, when he gets to verse 12, he lists out five key character qualities that we'll, we'll be talking about more later today. He talks about like compassion and gentleness and kindness and patience and humility. And so uh, it's, it's who we are in our character that's going to be, one of the things I often say is it takes chemistry to start a relationship, but character to make it last. Number three, uh, the third principle Was that the greater the character, the deeper the relationship? So, as we've seen every week, if you want to grow in your relationship, the secret is add more character. A little bit of character will lead to a little bit of relationship. A lot of character, the right character, leads to a big relationship. Number four, character is created by choices. That it's not a mystery. It's not like some get it and some don't. That we can actually determine, we can choose this, especially as followers of Jesus. We've received the gift of the Holy Spirit to lead us, guide us, empower us. If we will listen and follow, we can, uh, what in Paul's words, put off the old, put on the new, rise with Christ to new life, and create character. And then number five is that character takes time. So we've talked about this. It's not a, it's not a quick fix. It's like you go through one series and now you've got it. The character is a result of a, a, a long time. It's more like gro- uh, growing an oak tree than a wildflower. That uh, It takes a series of choices, consistent choices over time, often difficult choices, We've seen this that the harder the choice, uh, the greater the character. And so that, that sets us up then for today. And today the topic on the table is, uh, is empathy. And uh, so what we're doing in this series is we're looking at seven key uh, areas of character if we want to build great relationships. And so today we come to the next topic on the table, which is empathy. Now, the reality is, is that even when I say empathy... My guess is that for many of us, it's not near as familiar as the last two weeks. We looked at the first two things, the first two character qualities. We we talked about authenticity. Last week, we talked about integrity. I think we understand that. But for many of us, probably empathy probably pulls up sort of a fuzzy image in our mind. So I want to give you a quick working definition today, all right? Now, you don't need to write this down right now. Oh, we're going to write it down later. I just want to kind of get it going. So here's how I'm defining uh, empathy today. Is that empathy um, is the ability uh, to or a little bit this way? The, uh, it's the ability to read, to relate, and then respond well to others. And okay, by empathy, hey, read, what are they thinking and feeling? I'm uh, gonna read them. We're going to then relate to them, and then we're gonna respond well to them. So in other words, empathy has to do with entering into the mindset, the thoughts and feelings of someone else in such a way that allows you to connect with them uh, and build relationship. And without it, it's pretty much impossible to build solid relationships. Now, one of the things I want to say today right up front, put neon lights around this, okay? Do not miss this. That when you have to have empathy with someone does not mean that you agree with them. Okay? okay? so empathy means I understand you. I understand what you're thinking and feeling. I, can, I get that. It doesn't mean I necessarily agree or affirm. Okay, so we're going to make that really clear. But it's this empathy that creates, catches a capacity for connection. That without empathy, that we don't have the ability to really connect with one another. And we'll see why. Now, what I want to do today is a couple things. I want to start today by talking about um, by talking about why empathy is so important. We did this last week uh, with integrity, so I want to do that. Um, just kind of one big picture for why it's so important. We understand what it is, why it's so important, and then we're going to come back. And we're going to talk about four steps, practical steps we can take to grow in empathy. All right. So uh, there in your sheet you have a section called empathy. Why is it so important? And the answer is fill in some blanks. Is that uh, empathy creates the capacity for connection. That's what we're going to learn. Empathy has going to create the, the uh, capacity for connection. Uh, I remember back in 1995, uh, I remember some of you, you, some of you weren't born then. I understand that. But uh, just take it from the old man. Uh, that in 95, I remember Lynn and I were away for a, We were still at our previous church in San Diego. And so Santa Barbara was actually a fair amount of distance away. And so we, we'd gone to Santa Barbara. Uh, for the weekend, just to, to get away, and uh, I remember we were walking one night and we walked by this little bookstore on a side street. Um, this is by the way, for those of you who are real young, this is when we had bookstores um, and uh, they kind of had glass in the window and books up there and uh, it was very cool. it was kind of like eight track but uh, anyway <laughs> uh, but, uh, anyway, so we drove the buggy up No, I'm uh, so we, we uh, so we have this. Uh, we, we went up, to, we were walking by in this bookstore, and I looked in the window, and this book caught my eye. It was a brand new book. It was destined to change uh, the conversation in many ways in our country. Uh, and, and it was kind of the, the book that kind of made this topic mainstream. And it was called Emotional Intelligence. By Daniel Goleman. And so now it's a common concept. We often know, but at the time it was brand new. Not that in a scientific or psychological world it was new, but for kind of mass society it was new. And this book put it on the map. And the premise of, of, of Goleman's book was that when we see successful people, we often tend to think that successful people are successful because they're smart, because they have a, a high IQ. And what he says, research shows that's not necessarily true. He said that more often than not, what makes successful people successful is they have high EQ, a high emotional intelligence. And he broke it down in the book. He talked about five key components that make up emotional intelligence. And he said, but of those five, there are two that are most important. And we're going to talk about both of them in this series. And the first one was empathy. And the second one was self-control. And uh, look what he said there in your note sheet. I put a quote from that book. He says, the fine art of relationships, which, of course, that's what we're talking about in this series, right? The fine art of relationships requires the ripeness of two other emotional skills. He says, um, uh, the first is self-management, and by that he means the ability to self-control, self-management and empathy. Okay, there's our word. With this base, words, the base leads to self-control and empathy. Um, the people skills, in other words, our, our ability to build strong relationships, they ripen. These are the social competencies that make for effectiveness in dealing with others. Now catch this. He says deficits in either empathy or self-control. Deficits here lead to ineptness in the social world or repeated Interpersonal disasters—pretty critical stuff. All right, so let's let's fill in our blanks now. I'm going to give you the definition again. This is kind of a working definition for our uh, time together today. So here's what we're going to say: the empathy. There in your notes, empathy is the ability to read, relate, and respond well to the thoughts and the feelings of others. Okay, so remember, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about authenticity. We said authenticity is the ability to be radically honest with ourselves about what we're thinking, what we're feeling, what our motives are. Empathy is the ability to get in touch with the thoughts and feelings of someone else, right? So they're, they're going to be related, and we'll see that later on. Now, this may, I don't know how this sounds to you, This may sound easy. It may sound hard, but it's actually much harder than it sounds or looks because one of the reasons is a lot of people don't really want us to know what they're thinking or feeling, Uh, and often for good reasons. Uh, Sometimes they don't want us to know because they don't know what they're thinking or feeling. Uh, Sometimes they don't want to share it because um, they don't know how to share it. They kind of... They kind of know how they're feeling, but they can't put it into words. They don't have to share. It. Sometimes they're not, they don't want to share it because it doesn't feel safe. They're not sure how you're gonna respond. Sometimes they don't want to share it because they're not sure we really want to know. And so it's really not as easy as it might sound. But here's what I want you to catch, and we're gonna to see today that if we want to grow, if we want to be renewed in the image of our Creator, so become like our creator, so we have the capacity to build strong relationships, empathy is going to play a huge part in that. In fact, uh, there in your note sheet, uh, I like what, uh, there's this marriage, uh, a married couple, some of you know them, they're called Les and Leslie Parrott. I always think that's really funny, (laughs) Les and Leslie Parrott. Uh, uh, um, But anyway, uh, it it can't be Michael and Leslie, it's got to be Les and Leslie Parrott. Um, All right, so Uh, But anyway, they got uh, a couple quotes here from two of their books, but I highly recommend them. uh, They have a lot of books on marriage, relationships, and stuff. We've got them in our bookstore. But uh, this is how they define empathy. Empathy combines our abilities to analyze, that's why I'm calling read, to analyze, and then sympathize, that's why I'm calling relate. Uh, Empathy is putting yourself in the shoes of another person and looking out of the world through that person's glasses its ability to enter into the experience of others and see life from their point of view and it allows us to relate and, and then that allows us to connect. The next quote they said, empathy says, if I were you, I would act as you do. I understand why you feel the way you feel. Okay? So once again, doesn't you agree, but you understand. So, um, uh, so this raises a question then. If this is so important, um, then, then how do we grow in this, this ability? How do, we, how do we grow in this character quality of empathy? And so there in your note sheet, I have a section called Empathy, How Can We Grow? And I've got four practical steps I think you'll find helpful uh, as we together uh, as, as a church, as followers of Jesus, grow. Uh, number one, the first step if you want to grow in em- empathy is you have to embrace its value. In other words, you have to come to a place in your life, you're convinced, hey, this is really important and Maybe I've seen that before. Maybe I haven't recognized it before. But this really is important. I I need to get on the ball with this thing. Now, for some of us in this room, you may be just naturally very empathetic. And you're just like, well, that's easy. I mean, that's obvious to me. But for a lot of us, not so much. And I think if we're honest, for many of us, uh, we may have grown up, for example, in a family. Or maybe we are in a relationship now where empathy is not valued. Like for a lot of us, we grew up in homes where... Uh, our parents really didn't want to know what we were thinking or feeling. That wasn't really interesting. If you had a problem, solve it on your own. Keep it to yourself. Um, Whether it said verbally or non-verbally, that was communicate like, yeah, we don't really care. You know, so if you have a problem, just kind of work it out. And so we've grown up and we tend to do relationships like we've seen them done. And so we feel much more comfortable in relationships that are very superficial And we don't really want to know everyone else's stuff, and so we just kind of feel like just deal with it. That's what a real man does, or that's what a modern woman does, or however we would um, put that. And so instead of trying to press in and grow in our empathy, um, we kind of write it off and uh, say it's not really important. Um, Last week I mentioned another good book, I'll throw out good books in case you want to read one, but... um, uh, John Maxwell and Jim Dornan, they, they, put, they put together this book years ago called um, Becoming a Person of Influence, and uh, what's really interesting is that, you know, John, uh, some of you know John Maxwell, he, he was uh, initially a pastor who then kind of eventually went into more kind of leadership, uh, whether it's secular or Christian, um, kind of writing. But uh, Jim Dornan was a businessman, kind of a, a tough-nosed, a very successful businessman, and so, um, so they, they combined to write this book. And Jim shares his journey in here. So he was one of those people that grew up not really valuing empathy. And I want you to see what he says. So interesting to me. He says, um, he says it doesn't really matter whether your business is creating computer software or selling books, serving food in a restaurant, building houses, or designing airplanes. The key to success is understanding people. Amen. Catch that. Key to success is in business it's understanding people. He says, Jim says, I'm not like John, John Maxwell. I didn't grow up with an orientation toward people. He took Dale Carnegie courses while he was in high school. (laughs) He went off to college knowing he'd be in a people job. I went to Purdue University. I studied aeronautical engineering. By the time I finished with my bachelor's degree, I thought there were two keys to success in any job, hard work and technical skills. It never even occurred to me that people skills had any value. I entered my first job ready to work and loaded with technical information, technical knowledge. Purdue had given me a first-rate education. I'd always believed in working hard, but it didn't take me long to realize that success in business means being able to work with people. I found that, uh, that to be true, not only professionally as an engineer and a consultant and an entrepreneur, but in every aspect of living, whether I was interacting with my family, working with one of my kids' teachers, or socializing with friends. Catch us. This ability to understand people is one of the greatest assets anyone can ever have. It has potential to positively impact every area of your life. Now, here's what's encouraging to me. Here's a great example of a a follower of Jesus. Jim is a strong follower of Jesus. Uh, A very successful businessman, but early in life, he didn't understand the importance of entering into other's Uh, thoughts and feelings of being able to re-relate and respond well. And so over life, he began to see, hey, this is really important. And so he began to, I'm sure, pray, think, and embrace this value. And as he did, he changed, right? And so what I'm saying is that it doesn't matter whether you have this or not. This is encouraging. It's encouraging that we can grow. Now, uh, my hunch is, as I read through his story, I talk about different ways people are raised, that many of us in this room can relate to this. That you may have been raised in a family or you've been in a life situation where people haven't really cared what you thought. They don't know want to know what you think. Keep it to yourself, thank you. Just deal with it. And uh, as a result, there's probably many of us who haven't really understood the importance of this in terms of building strong relationships. And yet it is so critical. And chances are, if that's you, people have tried to tell you this. Chances are, if this is you, people have tried to tell you this. Maybe it's a wife, maybe it's a husband, maybe it's friends, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's a a relative, maybe it's a coworker. They've tried to tell, but often when we don't value empathy, we blow them off and we say, that's just not the way I am. And then we begin throwing in something. I'm an introvert, or I'm this, or I'm that," or I grew up in this town, or um, I was a hell's angel, or whatever the thing was. but we come up we're like, "No, that, that's just not me. Um, but here's what I want you to say I want you to catch, is that what we're going to see today, what the Apostle Paul is saying, is if you want to be renewed, you want to become like your creator, then you have to put off this insensitivity. And you have to put on some sensitivity. Now, uh, what I want you to do is I want you to look there on your note sheet back at Colossians 3. Uh, and by the way, if you're visiting here at Rocky Peak or if this is the only series you've been here, uh, I, I'm always a little bit concerned about this, that typically the way we do most teaching here is go through books of the Bible. Uh, and so we always have our Bibles open and we're always saying in a topical series like this, just to save time, I don't do that but if you're new and you're going, hey, well, this is kind of bible light or something, uh, I just want you to know, just hold on for about four or five more weeks and you'll have more than you can drink. All right. Yeah. All right. So, all right. So, um, anyway, let's look at, this is the Colossians 3. This is our core passage, right? We've looked at it several times, but, but this is what Paul says. He says we're to put on the new self. So, remember what he's already said in Colossians 3. You've come to Jesus. Uh, you've been connected with Christ by his Holy Spirit. You've gone online with him. So Christ lives in you. And as a result, you have the power to change. And so now you have the power to listen and follow his Holy Spirit. You have the power to put off the old and to put on the new. So he says, so put on the new self, which is what? Being renewed. That's, a, that's our, our series, right? It's a process, an ongoing process. And the goal of it is that we be renewed in knowledge of the image of its creator. We become like our creator again, like we're created to be. Um, And then he's going to give us uh, a couple verses later, five examples of what it looks like to be renewed and catch this, what it looks like to be like our creator. And so I want you to see these five examples. So as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself. Let's read them together. Number one, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, right? So compassion, kindness, Humility, gentleness, and faith. Now, here's what I want you to—I want you to—I want you to think through with me. What is compassion? Compassion requires of us that we enter into the life and the feelings and the thoughts of others. You cannot have compassion unless you see behind their heart. You see their heart. You can't—you can't have compassion and and just be seeing externals. You. You have to see who they are and what they need. It requires this ability to read and relate. Otherwise you can't do compassion. Um, Look at the next, I'm going to throw our three together. Kindness, gentleness, and patience. You know I think of Jesus so many times in your life group study this week you'll study an example of Jesus Jesus and how he demonstrated these qualities. I think in Mark chapter 1 where he heals a, a, a leper and it says that this man ran to him and Knelt down and said, Jesus, if you're willing, you can, you can heal me. And Jesus, it says, He reached, he broke the law, he reached out and he touched the leper, which was supposedly make you unclean. He touched him and said, I am willing. And what it says in the Greek, he was filled with compassion. Same, same word. This is Jesus. Right? And what you see him entering into this man's life, this man who's been a social reject, has to stay outside his city, has to always yell out wherever he goes, Un- unclean, unclean. He's a re- And Jesus filled with compassion and he reaches out and touches him. Now why does he touch him? He doesn't have to touch him. He could just speak the word, but he touched him because this is what this man needed. He hadn't been touched in so long. And Jesus... He reads him and he reads his heart and he sees what he needs and he reaches out with compassion because he reads and he relates and then he responds appropriately. You see, you you can't have kindness. You can't have patience with someone. You can't have gentleness unless you enter into their world and see the world through their eyes. Without that, we're harsh. Without were insensitive. But when you begin to get behind a person's eyes and you read their heart and you see their pain, you see their fears, you see their weakness, now you can reach out because you've read and you've related. Now you can respond well and you can touch. Amen. You see? Look at the last the humility. Next week, can't wait. Topic of the table, humility. But for today, humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. That nah, sometimes. <laughs> but humility is not so much thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Amen. Humility is about being others focused. The proud person's focused on themselves. They're self-absorbed. The humble person, they see outside. They're looking out. They see others. And because they see others, they serve and they care. What I want you to catch, all five of these qualities are so closely related to empathy. And that's why I put them under this umbrella. And the point is that if we want to grow, that we have to start, it starts with a decision to embrace. This is important. If you're a follower of Jesus and you lack empathy, you need to grow because we can't carry out the first two commandments of loving God and loving others without caring. Amen. empathy. I love what the parrots, again, they, they said, everyone is born with a capacity to empathize, but we don't always tap into our capacity for empathy because it takes effort. We have to put off the old and put on the new. Okay, number two. Now, number two, um, if we're going to grow in our empathy, we have to practice authenticity. Now, some of you are saying like, hey, didn't we cover this recently? (laughs) And yes, we did. But we need to circle back because what what we're going to see is, as I mentioned two weeks ago, uh, empathy and authenticity are like uh, dance partners, it is very hard to grow in our empathy without growing in our authenticity. And the reason is, is remember we were here two weeks ago, we talked about this, I said that relationships are based on relating. Remember that? Uh, that in other words, the, the reason you and I can enter into a relationship is because we relate to one another. The problem is, is if we are not honest with ourselves about what we're thinking, what we're feeling, why we do what we do. We live a very shallow life emotionally. And if we live a very superficial life emotionally, it makes it very difficult to connect with anyone else on a deeper level because deep calls to deep. There has to be a correspondence. There has to be something that we can share. Remember Brendan Manning's quote, experience has taught me that I connect best with others when I connect with the core of myself. You know, uh, we started the day with this story of this young man, remember freshman, uh, flying to Fort Myers, going on the bridge to Sanibel, and just so excited it was like a, a dream to this young man. He had uh, gone to that first year of college, and he had met this older couple that were mid-20s, so, but it seemed like so much older. They, they were just, they were just uh, very sophisticated. They loved Jesus. Um, they were super well put together, and they'd kind of begun to take this young man under their wing and mentor, and he couldn't believe it when, he got the call at the end of his freshman year and hadn't seen him in a year or two saying, would you come down to Florida and help us lead this ministry? We've got this huge high school ministry. I'd like you to come down for the summer. And uh, he's so excited. And uh, the young man in the story is, is me. I, it's actually my story. And uh, I don't have time to, to go into all the details. It'd make an interesting story, but we don't have time for it. Um, but let me give you the short version. Um, so uh, I flew down there with this great expectation. I could not wait. But what I hadn't told my friend, in fact, I'd hardly told anyone, was that the past six years of my life, I'd gone through some very difficult times spiritually. They were, I, I refer to them as the dark night of the soul, for me, my dark night of the soul. It was like six years, and it was very painful. And it, it wasn't um, all bad. Um, there was a lot of success, you know. Uh, students. Uh, Student, you know, body, um, student body leadership, uh, uh, sports, you know, sports success, um, you know, dating, uh, leader at church, uh, academic. There was a lot of success, but under the surface, what hardly anyone knew was that they were very deep days of darkness. And it was really um, because of two reasons. One was that for the but the pre- previous six years. I'd struggle with very significant and serious doubts about the truth claims of Christianity. And it seemed to me so obvious that if Jesus was not who he claimed to be, if the word of God was not what he claimed to be, we might as well all kill ourselves because all that's left is a postmodern world where there is no meaning and there is no value. And uh, so I'd done everything I could to study apologetics and go knee deep and prayed and fasted and did everything I could, but I, I couldn't seem to come to that place of certainty. And uh, at times it was overwhelming. The other issue in my life was a lack of spiritual power. I wanted to follow Jesus. I was very serious about it, but it seemed like the harder I tried, the worse I failed. I just was not able to do the Christian life. I couldn't overcome my anger. I couldn't overcome my sexual temptation. I couldn't overcome um, just a bunch of things. And the harder I worked, it just felt like the more I became aware of how incompetent I was. I just didn't have the ability. And after six years, it's probably hard to really express, you know, six years, you just say it, six years. But after six years, um, I was at the end of my rope. I just didn't know it. And so when I went down there, um, I was, my hopes were so high, so excited but I'd been down there about three days when one of these bouts, they, they would come on like a, a bout of, like it just come like an attack. It probably was. And, uh, and it was just like, how do you know? And uh, it would plunge me into despair. And uh, I knew I, there's no way I could help lead this ministry with this going on. And so I, I decided to do something I'd never really done before. It's uh, with anyone outside of... Uh, my, my dad one time and, and maybe and Lynn to some degree. We just started dating a year before. But um, I decided to confide in them. And it was the scariest thing. Remember, these were the, like, the most respected people in my life, everything I wanted to be. and um, It was really scary, but I felt like I needed to take the risk. And so that night in my darkness and despair in their living room, about 8 o'clock at night, as it had just become dark. I shared my story. And what I'd gone through, and let's just say it didn't go well. It was not a safe place. And uh, I left that room, and I went running for my life in the darkness down Sanibel Island on deserted, white, sandy beaches. And uh, I just remember, like, animal sounds coming out. I mean, I was just like a wild animal, pierced. Tears streaming down my cheeks. I've thought about it many times. I, I believe that if I had a gun, I would have ended it there. I, it was just the end. And so, of course, I couldn't go on and do ministry there. So two or three days later, they arranged for me to fly home to San Diego. And so he flew home in humiliation and uh, just deep darkness and despair. Little did I know is that God had been waiting for that moment for six, six years. It brought me to a place of weakness and despair and helplessness. This is where I needed to go to learn how to trust. And uh, God began to meet me in those coming weeks in amazing ways. And he began to change me from the inside out and reveal himself and show me how to trust him and his Holy Spirit instead of leaning on my own strength. So I was a high achiever. And I was broken. But it was in that brokenness that the healing and power came. God met me. And can I tell you, everything in my life flows out of that night. In the six years, everything in my life. Who I am today as a person, as a follower of Jesus, my love for him, as the one who rescues us, flows from that day. And uh, all ministry flows from that. But of course, running down the beach, I didn't know that. And you know what I find is that today, Um, When I talk with someone who's at the end of the ropes, when I talk with someone who's in deep despair, when I talk with someone who feels like they can't go on, when I talk with someone that feels like God is not listening after they begged him for years, it is so easy to connect. It's so easy to connect because um, we may have different stories they may have been on a different journey. The reasons that have led them to darkness may be absolutely different than mine, but I know what that feels like. Amen. Amen. And because of that, there's not, there's not a sniff of judgment. There's not a sniff of, um, of, boy, how could you ever feel that way? Or, hey, you're a Christian, buck up. There's none of that. And to whatever extent that there is, and I wish there was a lot more, but I to whatever extent there's compassion or gentleness or kindness or humility, it comes from that breaking in my own life. But catch this, because of that, it builds a bridge. Amen. And people sense it. They sense that it's a safe person. They don't understand why they sense it, but they sense it. You see, when we get in touch with our own story and our own pain, and we're radically honest, It allows us to connect with others. And it creates the ability to have empathy. But as long as we pretend, it can never happen. That's why we started the series with authenticity, because it's the secret to everything. It's the first, remember I called it the first step? It is the first step. And this is what Goldman says too. He says empathy builds on self awareness. Catch that. Empathy builds on self-awareness. The more open we are to our own emotions, the more skilled we will be in reading feelings. People who have no idea what they feel themselves are at a complete loss when it comes to knowing what anyone else around them is feeling. They are emotionally tone deaf. So number one, we need to embrace the value of empathy. Hey, this is important. It is the key, the connection. Uh, And then we need to practice authenticity. We need to grow. Number three, we need to learn to listen. That that if we are going to connect with others well, if we are going to grow in our empathy, we have to learn how to listen. Now, this sounds sort of easy. It is anything but. Because, you know, we think we're listening, uh-huh, 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 yeah, uh-huh, got it, yeah, right, what did I say? Uh, uh, I, co- I just missed that part, could you repeat that part? You know, we think we're listening, right? I'm not talking about just listening with your ears, you can repeat, I'm talking about listening with your heart. I'm talking about a listening that goes beyond just with the words, but not just what are they saying, but how are they saying it? Most of communication is nonverbal. How are they saying? What's the tone of their voice? What's the look on their face? Um, not only listening to what they're saying, but what they're not saying. And this is not hard. This is not easy. And the reason it's not easy is because most of the time, most of us, and I would put myself in that category... When we're listening to someone else, we're not really listening. We're critiquing, and we're preparing what we're going to say next. And so it's like, that just triggered a thought, and I can't wait. Out of politeness, I'm going to let you finish, but I don't really care what you're going to say, but I got something good. I got something good. You just wait. You're going to be impressed. This is going to be good. Um, It's it's a lot better than your boring thing right there, but let's just keep going. You know, I mentioned earlier in this series, this book by Stephen Covey, Seven Seven Habits. Um, Of course, you know, the Bible says in James, right, be slow to speak, quick to hear, quick to listen. Um, But Covey puts it this way. He said, this is so amazing to me. He says, if I were to summarize in one sentence the single most important principle I have learned in the field of interpersonal relationships. Now, I want to stop right here. Stephen Covey used to be like, you know, when Time would do their top 100 influential people in business or whatever, he'd be like in the top 25. This guy is a gifted guy. He's a lot of insights. And he is about to tell us what he considers the single most important principle he's learned about relationships. Um, Do you think maybe we should pay attention? All right. I don't want you to miss it. It would be this. To seek first to understand and then to be understood. We're talking about listening in such a way that in conversation, our number one goal is I really want to understand you first and then. uh, See, so many times we flip it around, don't we? Like we want to be understood and we don't have time to listen to someone else. He says, the, this principle is the key to effective interpersonal communication. So says, seek first to understand involves a very deep shift in paradigm. We typically seek first to be understood. Most people typically, uh, they, they do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. They're either speaking or preparing to speak. Very few of us ever practice the highest form of listening, which is What? empathetic listening, right. hey, good, you got it, <laughs> empathetic listening catches, gets inside another person's frame of reference, you look out through it, you see the world the way they see the world, you understand their paradigm, you understand how they feel, and a big part of this like if you say, well, how do you grow in this? I would say learn to grow in asking questions. One of the most practical things is when you're in relationship, you're in conversation, focus on asking questions. Just the, the reporter's questions. The who, what, where, why. When someone shares with you, man, it was a hard day. Well, go at it. What, why? What happened? Where was it? Why? And what happens is we show interest, people will want to share more. And as they share, and we encourage them to share, then we'll be able to get in touch with their heart, see their heart, and we'll be able to respond them with compassion and kindness and gentleness and humility and patience. That this is not easy. It takes practice, I mean, not hard. It's, it's I mean, not easy. It takes a lot of practice. I, um, I, I look back, you know, my relationship with Lynn, and a lot of you know Lynn. Lynn's an amazing listener, Um, she is just like a gifted listener. And I have told you before, all the time, people just pour out their heart. They just meet her for the first time, they're pouring out their heart. And you say, well, why is that? It's just because she just really listens and she just cares. And so we're all looking for someone to care, right? And so we go through life kind of desperate for someone to care. And when you find someone, you find it draws, it connects. I remember um, when we first started dating, I was 17. Um, she was older, but um, she, but she's not here, so I'll just tell you that. Uh, <laughs> tomorrow, not so much. But uh, anyway, uh, but uh, yeah, she checked me out of school. It was awesome. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> uh, bought her alcohol. No, just kidding. <laughs> rented the car. Uh, no, anyway, uh, just kidding. Uh, but anyway, she... Uh, when we, when we started dating, it's one of the gifts that Lynn gave to me. I, I think Lynn was the first person in my life who really listened in this way, who really wanted to know. She wanted to know why I thought and what was I thinking and how did I She really wanted to know. And it was the first time I had really experienced that. And I really feel like it was uh, critical to my identity and to my growth as a person. And uh, I often look back and wonder... If God had not brought Lynn in my life, where would I be today? Because we all need someone to understand us. And, it, and when we feel understood and loved, it's something healing that happens, that, be, that helps us establish our identity. Um, there in your note sheet, I put a quote from um, Dr. Paul Turnier, and he was a famous, uh, famous Christ follower, a fam- very famous Swiss psychologist. And he says, it's impossible to overemphasize the immense need we have to be really listened to, to be taken seriously, to be understood. Catch us. No one can develop freely in this world and find a full life without being understood, feeling understood by at least one person. Isn't that powerful? Oh, as followers of Jesus, what a ministry we would have for the world just by listening, and caring about others. So we didn't have time today to go into greater depth on listening. There's so much that could be said. But here's what i suggest. If you want to grow in this area, pick up the book, Seek, you know, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Covey. Just just one chapter is on this Seek First to, uh, to Understand. It's worth the price of admission, I checked it out this week. You can buy it right now on Kindle for $4.99. It's a deal. Some of you are getting your things out right now. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Um, now, number four. The last step is to follow Jesus. Now, you may say, eh, isn't that kind of obvious? Um, kind of odd. Uh, like, isn't that what we do? I mean, we're Christ followers. Yeah, I get that, but but I want to... I want to point out something, and this was my best way of saying it. What I've noticed in my life, I've noticed in the lives of others, that when we're growing, that when we're pursuing Jesus, that when we're listening and following, when the Holy Spirit's active in our life, we're changing and developing, that almost automatically we start to grow in our compassion, in our gentleness, in our kindness in our humility, and in our patience. This is a natural byproduct. Here, the opposite is also true. When we're not growing, or even more specifically, when we are living in rebellion, we're living in sexual sin, we're holding on to anger, we're not living out integrity, we're holding on to bitterness, we're defending our harshness. When we are living in sin, we're living, in, you know what happens? Our hearts start to get hard. And not just to God, it's to others. I've been amazed over the years watching people fall into affairs, Christians that fall into affairs. And you will watch a transformation in the person committing the affair. Watch the transformation. This person that was once gentle and kind and loving, they start getting hard and harsh and self absorbed. They can't see the light of day. What's going on? They are pulling away from Jesus, and there is a hardness that's coming in their life. And it it you'd think, you think it would just, no, but it applies to everyone. It's just, they're changing. In Ezekiel 36, there on your note sheet, this is a prophecy that God speaks through, Isaiah, uh, through Ezekiel the prophet and talks about a time when Messiah comes and will in, bring in the new covenant, And he says, when that time comes, God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. So, um, in other words, forgiveness, for forgiveness. And you will be clean. And catch this, I will give you, in that day, when when the Spirit comes, I will give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. Catch, I will remove from you your heart of stone. stone. And I'll give you a heart of flesh. flesh." It doesn't mean flesh, like Paul talks of the flesh, a bad thing. He means a tender heart. And I'll put my spirit in you, and I'll move you to follow my decrees and to keep my eyes. He says, when the Messiah comes, there's going to be not just forgiveness of sins, but I'm going to change you from the inside out, and I'm going to give you a new heart. And it's going to be a soft heart, tender towards me, tender towards others. And I'm going to move you by my spirit. And as long as you listen and follow my spirit, your heart's going to get more and more soft. And you're going to grow in compassion. And you're going to grow in gentleness. You're going to grow in kindness. You're going to grow in humility. You're going to grow in patience. It's just going to happen. You listen and you follow. And your heart will grow softer. But if we rebel and we disobey and we hold on to our sin, and we think it won't affect anyone, it's over here. It doesn't affect this. No, it does. Because our hearts get hard, and we become more harsh, and we become more self-centered, and more proud, and more insensitive, and impatient, and it happens naturally. And so the question then is, are you following? And of course, it always comes back to that, right? Listen and follow. But I hope today that You've gotten a new vision for empathy, why it's so important, what it looks like, and what it takes to grow. And I really believe if we will listen and follow, start putting these steps into practice, we will grow, we will change, we'll be renewed like our creator, and the end result is that we will build strong relationships. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for that we can be here. Thank you for your vision for this church, God. You know that series like these aren't coming from me. They're, They're a vision that's from you, and you develop it and you create it. And then we come together around your word, and we listen and we learn and we grow as a church. And we're just so thankful for the work of your spirit that makes all of that possible. Lord, we're here drinking living water that you're providing for us as a church to transform and to change our lives. And God, I, w- I would just pray that as we're here, for some of us, I'm sure we're feeling like, "Hey, this is an area of strength where you've taught us." For others, we're probably feeling, "Man, that's really hard for me. That's a- I'm more like Jim Dornan. That's just a hard area." God, I pray that as we come before you, we would truly just give you our hearts. We would say, "Here's my heart, Lord." Um, we would we would ask you to take away our stony hearts, give us hearts of flesh. But also, Lord, that we would turn from anything that's hardening that heart, and we'd learn to listen and follow. And so, Father, we pray that as we bring your offerings, we pray as we worship now, that you'd use this time to speak to us as we sing this prayer to you. We pray it in your name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Here's my life, Lord. Speak what is true. Psalm 139, David says, God, search me, know my heart, try me and see if there's any offensive way in me and then lead me in the path to life. What a beautiful prayer. You know, so many times we come to something like this and we don't even understand the forces that have shaped our life or why we're like the way we are. Isn't it awesome that we've got a God who knows us better than we know ourselves and that he can speak and he can show us our heart and he can heal that heart. He can teach us how to be what we could never be without him. He can renew us. And that's the theme of this series. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. As followers of Jesus, we're not on our own, like, go out and do this. No, we, we listen and follow. As the Holy Spirit speaks and as he leads and guides, we just follow one step at a time. It's all you have to do. You don't fix everything at once, one step at a time. But you do have to listen. And you do have to follow one step at a time. One step after another step after another. And over time, you look back and say, wow, he's changing me. I'm growing. I'm not the same man I used to be. I'm not the same woman I used to be. Something's going on. And that's what he says, that we're being renewed. We're being renewed. It's a process. Our job is to listen and follow, put off the old, put on the new. So may this be a week that you put off the old, put on the new. If you haven't valued empathy in the past, if you've made excuses or whatever, it's time to embrace. Because you can't be like Jesus without compassion and without gentleness, without humility, without kindness, without patience. You cannot be like Jesus. That's who he is. And so that's where we start. We embrace the value. And then we are radically honest, we start listening to others well. And most of all, we keep following in his footsteps. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, have a fantastic week. God bless you. Next week, humility's on the table. Have a great week.